lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates hobby talk like you've never seen it. Sports cards live and I could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, everybody, welcome to episode number 136 of Sports Cards Live. It is Sunday night, April the 10th, 2022. My name is Jeremy Lee. I want to thank last week's guest, Chris Melillo of Rippin' Wax, for joining us, sharing his insights. Check that out on the YouTube channel. Next Saturday, I will be at the Sport Card Expo in Edmonton. Not yet sure if I'll be able to do an episode, so bear with me. Stay tuned. We will see. Shout out to Channel Supporter Whatnot. Check out their app for group breaks, one-minute auctions. Buy it now. Hosted around the clock by some of the best breakers in the hobby. Also, happy and proud to announce new channel sponsor, Center Stage App. Download the app in the App Store for quick comps while you are strolling through card shows and for pricing your cards if you are setting up at card shows. The app is continuously improving. The more we scan our cards through the app, the better it will become. Also, Sport Card Expo coming up next weekend in Edmonton, and then June 2nd to 5th in Toronto. Check that out, sportcardexpo.com. Also, I want to thank the fellows at the Pack to the Future podcast for having me on their podcast yesterday to talk about trades. They've had a great time with those guys. Check them out. Thank you to all the subscribers, viewers, podcast listeners. If you are not yet subscribed to the channel, please go ahead and do so. As always, your comments, your questions are in play. Let's get to it. Tonight's guest, one of the biggest sellers on eBay, likely the biggest in the sports card category itself, and he is now getting into the show promotion business. Let's bring him out. Rick Probstein, welcome to Sports Cards Live. How are you tonight? Hey, Jeremy. How you doing? Thanks for having Hi. me. You are welcome, Rick. You are welcome. So to everybody out there, we are not going to go for two hours tonight. Rick kind of chuckled when I told him that's how long we usually go. So we are going to try to get through it quicker than usual. Maybe we'll keep them a bit longer than we can. Rick, I want to get through a few things quickly based on our condensed time, which I know you think is funny, but that's okay. Tell us a little bit about your history in the hobby. How did you start your consignment business? So, I mean, I've been in the industry. I, I saw that you posted you've been in the industry since 1980. That's about when I started. Um, I started doing card shows 1980-81. Um, at the time, I was an 11-year-old kid. Um, so I've been, I grew up doing card shows. Um, and I've been in it a long time. So I, I started doing consignments really maybe about uh, 13, 14 years ago. Um, it sort of happened by accident. I just did it as a favor for some guys, and it worked out. And I was like, there's a business model here. Um, but I was a dealer like everybody else. You know, I set up at shows. I, you know, tried to buy for $10 and sell for $15. And, you know, that's that's how I made a living. All right, cool. So tell us a bit about the operation. How many employees do you have? How, how many square feet do you take up? Locations? Just give, paint the picture of what, what a big consignment business on eBay looks like for sports cards. Yeah, so we're we're just so on a macro level, we're doing about eight hundred thousand auctions a year. Um, last year we did one hundred and sixty million, um, which is a lot. It is the largest on eBay. Um, and just to just to give you a gauge in terms of our sales, you know, we did one hundred and sixty. Uh, Heritage did one hundred and eighty last year as a company, and Golden did three thirty. So you know. 
um, all, all three of us are doing significant numbers. So we have about 6,500 square feet. We just um, signed up for a second office. Um, it's the office is located in Lindhurst, and I have a staff, mostly anywhere between 30 and 35 people. Okay, so uh, it's a it's a big business at the end of the day. 160 million dollar in revenue. That is no joke at at all. You know, a couple of the other players in the space, the PWCCs, the Goldens, they've built their own platforms. Do you have any plans or have you ever planned to build your own platform to say, get off eBay or leverage uh, some technology aside from them? So platform off of eBay, no. Um, eBay itself actually does not have any tools to run a consignment business through the eBay platform, meaning um, there's no tools where I can manage my staff. How many items are they posting an hour? How many items are they uh, shipping an hour? Um, my scripters that are typing out the titles, you know, giving me uh, performance gauges on them. So we actually just recently uh, plopped down tens and tens of thousands of dollars into a database. We built all these tools internally, and we're going to actually build the, the the back end of it, which will be for the public. Um, so all the consigners um, will be able to log in, um, similar to the old PWCC database, and you know have everything there. Um, but all those things have to be built from scratch. It's actually very difficult to do. Um, eBay has an open API technology, but the challenge is, is once eBay makes any changes and they're not looking at your technology, they're looking at their system, you have to then adopt to the technology changes that they've made. So sometimes they'll make a simple modification and it can trip you up. Um, so it's everything is fixable but um, bugs can happen in your database and software as a result of them making changes internally. Yeah, I've heard the same thing from Tim Getch at ComC. They, they deal with the same sort of issue, which makes sense. They have quite a few listings on there as well. You just mentioned PWCC. When PWCC uh, left eBay, did that, yeah. did that have any effect on your business? Did it help it? Did it hurt it? Any, any, uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? I mean, listen, um, I'll tell you what, my purchasing on eBay did did go down a little bit because I used to buy cards from them on eBay. So I no longer was, but I don't know that I started spending more with other sellers. So I, I'm not sure. Our, our sales went up the year before um, when PWCC was on the platform, we did 108 million. Um, that was really like the, the back half of COVID. And then last year we did 160 million. So we had a nice jump and increase. Um, and we, we increased a lot in, in some of the, the, the mini verticals within collectibles that we were active in before, um, I'll give one example like Pokemon. So uh, PWCC as a site in general, they're doing great. Uh, I think that they have a large concentration of people on the items that are, let's say $10,000 and above, but on your $250 you know, Pokemon card that's getting to a winner in Austria or Czechoslovakia or England, they don't have the same level of eye concentration and eyeballs that eBay does. And I think a lot of those consigners have moved over to us. We have probably picked up at least a hundred new Pokemon consigners in the last six months. That's been the biggest increased area. Okay. Um, you know, so we always did Pokemon, but now it's like coming in like crazy. What do you think about this new authentication guarantee that eBay is running? How has that uh, helped or hurt your business? Well, I think it's great. I mean, um, it, it's great in the sense, well, first of all, most people thought that it's basically they're just shipping a raw card and they're telling you whether it's authentic or not. That is not the case. 
obviously they're telling you if it's authentic or not, but they're going above and beyond that. Um, they're holding the sellers accountable, myself included, to pointing out any condition flaws within a card. So we recently, we had a Tom Brady card that we posted. We gave a front and back scan of it, um, which is a conversation we can have, you know, why we do front scans on some and why we do front back on others. Um, and to me, it was clear in the scan that the, there was a corner ding on the Brady. Um, but the the authenticator, um, they felt that we should have actually um, pointed it out in the description more so than the picture. And they returned the card back to us. Now, it's interesting. The the bidder of the card saw that it got declined. They got refunded and they contacted us saying they still wanted to buy the card. You know, that if they returned it because of the corner ding, they still wanted it. Um, they knew that going in, but the, but the authentication process is trying to hold the sellers to a higher level. So it's not just pointing out fake cards or trim cards or altered cards, but any case where the seller, such as myself, is not doing a good enough job to describe any, any obvious condition flaws. So for that, I think it's fantastic. Okay. You know, it's forcing us to do our job better, but it's all good. All right. You know, I know that some people are kind of shying away. They don't want to bid on cards that are subject to this guarantee because they feel like the third party authenticator is being a little bit too harsh and, and maybe not doing it. Like I've seen people say, I don't care that there's something, I want the card. I don't care that there's something wrong with it. Now they have to jump through hoops like your customer did. Is that, uh, is that, is that something that's going to hurt eBay sales? No, I, th I think it's better for the platform. Is there some level of inconvenience? Like, yes, you know, um, I'm refunding shippings. I'm losing money on shippings. And, you know, there's there's definitely a level of financial loss to us. But anything where it's going to help the bidder confidence on the platform, I'm all for. And I think they're making the right decision. Um, PWCC, before they left eBay, they had made a decision not to sell any raw cards at all. They were only selling graded cards. So we don't have any problem selling a raw card. Um, but you know, there's, there can be drama with a raw card in comparison to a graded card. So, you know, a graded card, it's a non-issue. You're having a third party authenticator tell you what it is and you know exactly what you're getting. Yes. Some people think something's overgraded or undergraded or they're not happy with the grade, or there could be some drama, but in general, you know, all the drama is dealing with raw cards. Um, so it's not really, it's not really an issue of whether a card is real or authentic or tampered or trimmed. It's really most of the situations where we've gotten returns and we're getting we're getting one or two a day that are coming back to us, um, so it's a nice nice quantity. Um, are all in cases where they're basically saying you need to do your job better as a seller and show and point out to people, you know, when there's a visible corner ding. One or two a day is a small percentage for you, so it's uh, it sounds like a lot, but it's really not that much for you considering the volume of auctions you're doing. Well, over the course of a year, you're talking about you know. 500 to let's say a thousand packages that we normally wouldn't have had to deal with on any regard. And now we're having to have a conversation about it. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty significant, you know, yeah. but it'll, I think that number will go down in time because, um, you know, my scripters are definitely aware of the process and I, I look and handle the majority of the cards and now I'll be better at when I'm rifling through the raw cards saying, listen, okay, we're going to have to put corner ding in the title or we're going to have to put, you know, edge wear or, you know, on a, on a, a patch card, sometimes the window itself will have some level of chipping. Um, these are things that we're going to have to write out them in description better. And previously what we do is 
we give you a high-res scan to us. It's obvious that you can see the blemish on the raw card. Um, but we're going to do a better job at giving a description of it now. Okay, good, good stuff. All right, we're going to run through some of the comments that have been coming in. We're going to yep. pause here and there for ones that need us to address, but we'll say hello to Cardboard Max. Welcome to the show. Andrew Marks, not a big fan of yours. Lots of negative reviews on eBay. Says that we need to address this. So let's start right there. Let's address negative reviews on eBay. Um, what, what do you, how do you respond to that sort of comment? So negative reviews, I assume they mean negative feedback. Is that I would think that's what he means, yeah. Yeah. So I actually, I think for six or seven years, I actually had no negative feedbacks. I had 100% feedback on eBay. Um, that's when we were a small to mid-sized operation. Um, and then when we became, you know, large slash largest, you know, at one point it was basically people were only drinking Coke and Pepsi, myself and PWCC. Um, I became a little bit of a target. And then once eBay put in certain things that people didn't like, um, you can't retract your bid. You can't do returns. Um, you know, a lot of the things that they put in that are against bidders sort of even the playing field. Um people have lashed out at us on, on terms of the feedback. Um, so some of it we deserve occasionally, you know, like we're a big operation. There can be a mistake, meaning, you know, we ship 40 items to a person and one of the packers includes the wrong COA. Somebody's disgruntled. Um, so there's a little bit of that. Um, but a lot of it is just the fact that we're just so big and we're such a target. And it's just, you know, when people are upset about what they perceive to be something that is not to their doing, um, you know, they, they ding the big guy. And some, in some cases, people think that we're involved in shill bidding and they feel that a shill bidding occurred and then they'll, they'll ding us up. I mean, you can read the feedbacks that those, those things exist. Yeah. And well, I, I do, we're going to get into shill bidding, uh, in a few minutes here. I'm going to keep running through Troy. Uh, great to have you on the episode. Same with you, Philly Joe. Thanks for tuning in here and earlier on collectible live. Tyler, yeah, Sunday night show. It's not, we're not going to make a habit of this, everybody. Just like we couldn't do it last night. I had a dinner party. So here we are on Sunday night. But hey, strong viewership. But that's probably got more to do with Rick Probstein than me switching this show to, to Sunday. Rocco, great to see you. Richard is here. I'm glad to see that. Fire Sports Cards. Eric is here. All Valley, good to see you. Tim Marin bought several cards from Rick through the years. Looking forward to the Sunday chat. Daniel A says, I need to have an auction ending night with Probstein. Maybe we'll get to that one day. Says, uh, Rick, how do you view the market today and where do you see it going moving forward? Okay, so this is, I can, I've spoken about this a little bit on my Instagram page, um, which if you want to follow, I, you know, it's Probstein Auctions. Um, I, I see the market and I would define it in one word, which is polarized. Um, the best of the best um, will continue to increase in value, in my opinion. And things that are, you know, middle of the road or not so great uh, are going to stay where they are or decrease. I'll give you one glaring example. So in the NBA this year, probably the guy who had the most increased demand or who jumped off the page the most this year was John Morant, right? So I know people who bought silver prisms, they bought them at like seventeen, eighteen hundred $1,800 last year. And Right now, I think they're like in the 2000 range, $1,900 range. So ba they basically, you know, you had a guy who did fantastic and normally you should be taking crazy profit, but because of the, you know, the high um, 
pop on those cards, they didn't make any money. But if they would have taken the same amount of money and they would have bought them a National Treasures card, they would have made 10x. Um, so I'm seeing this kind of trend across the industry. You know, you could you could pick the right player and not make money if you don't pick the right card. Um, so you have to really, really, you know, my advice to everybody is go after the best of the best. And you're always going to make the most money that way. So if you have, let's say you have, and I don't want to, um, you know, everybody has different investment portfolios amount. Some people have $4,000. Some people have $40,000. But if you have $40,000, let's say, and you want to go after one player that you feel strong about, you're better off buying one of his cards, his best card, rather than buying 25 of his, like, you know, cards that are pretty available to the market. You are always going to make money buying the best of the best. Rarity over commodity. I'm with you all the way on that uh, on that uh, advice right there. Slab Exchange, Nick, welcome to the show. Chad Shipper, good to see you. Jeff Hart, Skeppy, yeah, Sunday Sports Cards Live. Tom Bullard, good evening. Abdeel, Jerry Hodge says, happy Passover to you, Rick. Happy Passover. <laughs> Daniel Busby, I bought cards from his company. They got ruined in shipping. I reached out, was refunded and blocked. Can you, can you speak to that? Is that a... a a standard process or policy? No, we would never block anybody for just refunding a card unless that they were um, abusive to us. So he can definitely contact me. I'll give you my personal email, Rick Probst in one hour, we'll research it. But the only people that are getting blocked are people that have two unpaid strikes, um, which is one of the reasons why we're getting some people attacking us with negative feedback as well, is that we're holding to that. Um, but so we, we allow returns. Um, and they could be expensive returns. We don't have any issues with it. Um, nobody would get blocked for that. We don't have any anything in place. The only people that are getting blocked are people that are abusive um, or people that are having two unpaid strikes. And it doesn't have to be two unpaid strikes with us. It could be two unpaid strikes anywhere on eBay. If you do that anywhere on eBay, you're getting blocked by us. Okay, that sounds fair to me. Bobby Burrell, good evening. Great to have you here. Uh, this anonymous Facebook user says, any advice for a new sports card consigner? Um, so they're a consigner or they are an investor? They have to, can they tell us more what they are looking for? We can let them uh, clarify and we will come back to that one a little bit later. Okay. Um, Paul Santos, yes, great show. Hits and Chicks has pro seen as the best. There you go. All right, let's dive into shill bidding because yeah, I often hear it. Uh, I often hear about it when it comes to Probstein auctions on eBay. And for me, Rick, what I what I do notice a lot of the time is that. And listen, I'm not one of these guys who goes and investigates shell bidding, looking at the bid history and putting together patterns. But I think, you know, the assumption is you see a low feedback chipping away at the bid. People make the the. Um, I'll call it an assumption, but I think it's probably accurate most of the time that there is shell bidding going on. Um, but what I notice is that you see a lot of cards being relisted over and over and over again. And that's where I, my question is, wh why does this happen so much with, uh, with probe scene auctions on eBay? Is it, is it, are your consigners shill bidding? And if so, what are you doing to mitigate it? So let's talk about the whole thing. So first of all, with, um, we allow bidders with zero feedback, one feedback, two feedbacks to bid. Um, and especially since the fact that we are now blocking anybody who has two unpaid strikes on any situation. So a guy who's normally a good guy, um, maybe he went back and forth with some seller who he's asking for more information. 
The guy didn't give him a back scan or more information, and he gets dinged with an unpaid strike. He can now no longer bid on our auctions. So eBay has given us permission, and we've told the person that they should open up a new account. So there were dozens and dozens of new accounts um, with less than 10 feedback, and people are bidding and winning on our auctions. Um, in the old days, I would guess that about 2% of all items on eBay went unpaid. Um, I think it's jumped up uh, probably to the 5% range. And in modern basketball on expensive cards and some players, um, it can be as high as 10% um, of cards that go unpaid. Um, our policy is that we will run a card and if it goes unpaid, um, you know, the bidder is getting a strike and then we will run it again. Um, at that point, if it goes unpaid again, then we will then either give it back to the consigner and they can have the card back or we'll post it as a buy it now. Um, so in terms of shill bidding itself, shill bidding exists on every auction house and every platform. Okay. Shill bidding is very difficult um, to fully regulate because you can have somebody will make up a name. Joe Smith makes a submission and he can have his friend under a different account, you know, uh, called Call Savage, he's bidding and and driving up the price of that item. Now, there's also people, one example, we have the, mo the most problem that we have with show bidding is with Trey Young. Right now, it's almost impossible to sell a high dollar raw Trey Young card on eBay. Um, and we're working with eBay on IP addresses to figure out the whole thing. So somebody is playing that market. They are not a direct consigner of ours. Um, and we will take action if we know that a, a consigner is directly involved. But somebody, and they're actually overseas accounts that are doing it, they are making sure that nothing on Trey Young is going to go off low. Um, and, you, you know, you can do, go do research on some of our Trey Young sales and you'll be like, oh, my God, some of these cards have run two or three times. Um, there are people who, if not their card, but they're going to make sure, ah, I have, you know, I bought 30 or 40 Trey Young silver prisms and I'm going to make sure that none of them ever go off low. I'm going to be, if it doesn't sell, then, you know, it's going to go unpaid. So there are people that are manipulating the markets um, in that regard. Um, eBay has access to all this information because they have the IP addresses. You have to understand as a seller, I'm not in control of the technology. If we see something or somebody points something out to us, we will forward it to eBay Trust and Safety. They can take action to a level that we can't. I don't see all the information. Uh, the most important information is IP addresses. That's how they that's how they nail people for doing things that are inappropriate. But this exists on every platform. When when you're on a major auction house and you can't see any of the bidder IDs, um, don't be naive and think that it's not going on. It's going on. The same exact thing is going on on different levels on all the big auction houses as well. Um, it's just easier to see it on eBay because you're seeing bidder IDs and it's it's just much more transparent. I often hear people make the comment that, um, you know, why doesn't eBay do anything about shill bidders? And then they say, well, it's because it's good for business. They make more money with auctions being shilled. 
Um, what's your? What, what they're you, not making any money off of PWCC right now, so they do care about the topic. So, what's you? What are your sort of personal feelings towards it, though? Like, do you wish it would go away, or are you okay with it because it boosts the the final price on on your auctions and others? I, I mean, industry wide. Just put in energy. Thought. My company on relisting items, having to adjust the accounting, having to. Um, move the inventory so it's out of this box and into that box. We spend a tremendous amount of time and and financial dollars in terms of adjusting everything. I would like to have it perfect. I would like to have it flawless like everybody else. Um, we do our best to work with eBay and communicate with eBay um, when these pieces of drama come up. We block IDs. We have a system in place where people aren't paying things that they're not going to last very long on eBay. Um, and eBay, you know, I'm in constant contact with them, um, the leadership there, and they care greatly about this topic. You know, they they want to be the best platform. And eBay, if you add up their combined sales versus Golden Heritage PWCC, everybody, eBay destroys everybody combined. You know, eBay is by far the biggest platform, and um, they care greatly about this topic. And they've taken great strides to clean it up. It's much better now than it was a year ago. Um, they are talking and discussing about doing a couple other things um, that would be even further steps along the process. Um, so they, they, they disallowed bid retractions. That was a very big step because um, somebody could literally manipulate an auction by just dropping their auction in the last hour, their bid. Um, they're now basically, we agreed with them and, and we don't make any exceptions that if somebody has two unpaid strikes, they're basically done. You know, we tell everybody, if, if the guys, I, I've bought thousands of items in my life. I've never not paid for an item, you know, and, and if you're a legitimate buyer, you're not like, you know, oh, my seven-year-old bid by mistake or some of the ridiculous excuses that we get. It's all nonsense. Um, so Do you get a lot of those yourself. Yeah, ridiculous. I mean, I could, I could, I could probably entertain you for five hours on some of the responses that we get. Card, that porn. Just, Card porn takes care of that for us though. So. They entertain us every Monday he, with their weekly recap. He does, but he's not getting my content, which would probably be a little bit more entertaining than some of the things that he gets. Um, but uh, you know, maybe at some point I'll I'll send it over to Cardpoint so he can like uh, have some good content for the day. Um, listen, it's it's a it's a real thing. It's some it's something that you know I saw that Cardpoint recently posted. You know, if you could change anything about the industry, what would you change? And there are definitely people who posted that show bidding and, and and these kind of things is the number one thing that they would change. And I think that is a legitimate thing to state. And I think that everybody is striving to clean it up the best that we can. I can tell you 10,000%, we have 30, 35 people in my office. I've had over the years, dozens and dozens of people work for me. Um, you can interview anybody and anybody will tell you that we're not involved in it directly on any level. And if anything happens, we're taking direct action and it's not something that we're partnering on at any level, you know? Well, and that, that makes sense to me because if you were, you'd have to buy your own items, pay the fees and, and try to do better next time. So um, I've always been of the opinion that, uh, that the big consignment sellers are, it's not them doing the shilling, it's their consigners who are having either doing it themselves or they're having uh, an associate do it. That's kind yeah, of the, cha the challenge is it's not them because if it is them, we take action on the consigner. 
you know, and, and we have a discussion with them and sometimes it doesn't go well. It's, it's other people. But I, I believe that most of the show bidding that's occurring is, is happening by people that are invested in a product and they don't want to see it dip below a certain thing. You know, a guy has four Topps Chrome LeBron PSA 10s and the card is dipping in value and he doesn't want it to dip further. So, you know, it's not his auction. He's jumping in on the largest seller, the largest platform, and he's protecting his investment. Um, and these people, they're, they're slowly going away because, you know, they have two strikes. And they can't bid anymore. And eBay's has access to these IP addresses and they're taking action. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, let's move on, guys. I see there's more comments coming in down below. Uh, we, maybe we'll come back to that. Maybe not. But uh, let's move along here. Um, I wanted to go to, oh, I must have unclicked it. I had a good one here. Some, I forget what it said. Oh, here it is. Tampa says, why do some of the listing state patch possibly tampered with? Where do you get that information from that it may be, that the patch may be swapped? So we recently got a whole batch of these that came in. Um, and obviously if we, if we know that something, anytime we know, anything we will state and disclose it um these were actually um scripted we um by a consigner of ours and he stated you know full disclosure that the patches were were switched and tampered with um if we know it to be true we will state it in many cases we're not going to be able to know it to be true because psa is grading the card and they haven't always um and beckett as well they haven't always done research in terms of the patches or making a determination on the patch itself. So there are graded cards that may, I use the word may, have an altered patch. And it's very difficult, you know, for us to say this was altered or not altered. If we know something, somebody has a, uh, you know, a scan that they send us and something was 11 out of 99 and it's a, you know, a ugly two color patch. And now all of a sudden you have this uh, beautiful team logo patch in there. Um, you know, we'll disclose that. So we do have some instances and descriptions where it's disclosed. The recent ones that came up, which I'm pretty sure is the one he's referring to, um, I think there were a whole bunch of Allen Iversons. Um, they actually came from an overseas consigner in China, and he disclosed the fact that they were tampered with. Okay. Well, hope that addresses your question there, Tampa. Uh, Jordan wants to, what's your, your unpaid item percentage on eBay? Um, it's about five percent right now. That's what I just said. You did okay. Sorry, I'm it used, multi, I'm multi it used to be here. It used to be about two or three percent, and and it is it has reached about five percent, and eBay is not happy about that number. And we're definitely, you know, coming up with ideas and ways to, um, you know, to make that number lower. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, Eli wants to know: Are you a collector yourself? If so, what does your PC look like? I do collect, um, but I'm a different type of a collector. I'm sort of like a collector investor. Um, there's enough things out there that interest me that, you know, I like holding them and having them. But if the price is right, I would sell anything and, you know, take the money and put it into something else. Um, I have a lot of high-grade cards. You know, I have a Babe Ruth rookie that I paid $3.25 million for. I have 16 Jordan 10s. Um, mm -hmm. You know. Five percent of the pop, right there. Yeah, well, you're good at math. Um, what are I have a lot of stuff. Um, 
I have a, you know, a 14 Cracker Jack set. I have, you know, Heisman Trophy. I have all sorts of stuff. I have a, I have a big collection. Um, but there isn't anything that at some point, I, you know, on my Heisman Trophy, I love my Heisman Trophy. It's, it's a cool piece. Um, it's, it's hard to get them because they actually don't let them sell the guy, sell a Heisman Trophy now. Um, but if somebody offered me more money and I wanted to buy and put into something else, I'd flip it, you know. Here's a question from Skeppy. Uh, why no website? He says it would it would be nice uh, uh, help you scale, but also for your your consigners to track their submissions with your services. So this is coming, and not only are they going to be able to track um, their submissions, but they're going to be able to track exactly what's paid and not paid. Um, so we have constant dialogue with our consigners, you know, um, and this is a bit, this will be a normal consignment. Some guy gives us forty thousand dollars of the cards. Um, the next day. I will send him a $30,000 cash advance. Now, um, we're safe at that level. I'll look at the data and the, and, the, and the auction prices. And then it'll take us two weeks to maybe clear up what's happening on that remaining $10,000 in terms of what's being paid and not paid. Um, with our new database, which is being finished, they will have access to all the links and they will actually get to see what's being paid and not paid. Um, so they'll be able to work with us and say, listen, Rick, you know, you gave me 30,000 out of the 40,000 faster than I would have gotten paid myself on eBay. I appreciate that. But I just saw that everything else is paid now. Let's finish this off. And then boom, it'll happen a little bit faster than them asking us what's the status and us having to go research each one and then figure it out and then send off the final payment. Yeah. Okay, so something's coming. That that's good news for a lot of people. Uh, yeah. Tom Bullard here says, "I have no issues with I have no issue with big company issues because they happen everywhere. But I do have issue with big companies openly selling trimmed cards, even if labeled and disclosed, unless it's pre-war. Obviously, I don't know if I don't know what Tom is really getting at here. If he's uh, insinuating that you're doing something, but can you speak to your policy on trimmed cards? Whether I mean, for me, if if a card is is in a a third-party grading company slab and it's indicated as trimmed i mean hey have at her the, the buyer should you know the buyers want to buy it but do you have a policy on trim I mean, part of the reason part of the problem is is that the companies every one of them they write a is for authentic and they don't give you they don't give you specifically what's wrong with the card you know was the card recolored was the card trimmed was the card altered in some other way um you know so i i personally you know one of the things i would want to change about the industry is that the third-party authenticators, who I think overall do a great job, but I think in this case, on the website, it should specify if the card is recovered, you know, or if the card is trimmed, or if the card is altered in some other way. Um, you know, it should be it should be full disclosure for people. But you you can go through our listings. There is a bunch of listings that we will write likely trimmed. Um, if we see something or detect something that we think is problematic, um, we will state it. Um, I will never not not state it. If I think that their card has any level of drama at all associated with it, from a fake patch to trim to alter to anything, we will state it fully if we know it. If we don't know it, then we won't state it. Okay. I'm just reading ahead of some funny comments there. Uh, okay. Uh, Skeppy makes a point, says shill bidding is often confused with consummated price manipulation. There are two different things going on there. I think the commonality though, is that if you're making a bid without intending to, to, to purchase or, or buy the card, then I, I, I do think that's considered shilling. 
Uh, Bobby Burrell wants to know, what are your thoughts on G.I. Joe cards and the steady increase in popularity? Any comments on that, uh, Rick? Um, I mean, I've done a couple funny videos on Instagram. You can watch you about G.I. Joe. You so, you know, if you want to be entertained, go go find it. You'll find it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, a couple. I've seen a couple of comments like this come through. Uh, what are your thoughts or outlook for modern and vintage hockey cards, especially the Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and McDavid Dreisaitl for modern? Any thoughts on hockey? So I know that I'm talking to with a Canadian right now, and it's funny that the uh, that the New Yorkers drinking the beer and the Canadians not drinking a beer. You know, <laughs> talk about stereotypes. There you go. What are you drinking? Water? I'm drinking water. Okay, I, should, I probably should be drinking water, um, but whatever. Now I like to have a little beer. Um, so I, I'm a hockey guy myself. I've been to 300 NHL hockey games. Um, I grew up um, from every game between '74 to. 84, I went to every Flyers game. So I've been in there 300 hockey games. I grew up watching hockey. Um, I'm a hockey guy. I love hockey. Um, I think the hockey market, in terms of the other verticals, I was happy to see the Gretzky get its price. Um, I actually owned the SGC Opeachy 10. Um, and I, I regret the fact that I did sell that card. Um because it was a beautiful, beautiful card. Somewhere it's out there. Um, but I, I, I think that the hockey market has a lot of upside. I think the vintage hockey market has a lot of upside. Um, a lot of the, the vintage hockey cards, a lot of the Parkhurst issues, they're really poorly produced. They have, they have centering issues, edge issues. A lot of them are hot messes. So if you're a guy who wants cards, you know, as eight, nines, and tens, um, they really don't exist that much. Like the Bobby War rookie to me is a fantastic card and it's a hot mess. It's always off centered. Um, hot mess. I like that. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, you know, right. they don't, they don't come perfectly centered. So I think these are all really strong investment pieces. And I think that, I think that vintage hockey has a lot of upside. Okay. Well, good for good. I don't know. David, by the way. So I've seen a lot of, lot of hockey, you know, I, when I grew up, Guy Lafleur is the best player in the NHL until um, Gretzky took the took the stage. You know, Mike Bossy was right there, um, but I've never seen and I've watched almost everything with Gretzky. I was a Gretzky guy. Um, I've never seen a guy skate through four or five players, the whole team, and then duke the duke, duke, duke the goalie. Like this is like something like watching an adult play with like Pee Wee kids. Like he's insane. He's just so fast. Yeah. And he's so skilled. And the game comes so easy to him. Um, he's a, he's a very special player. Yeah. No, there's no no doubt about it. What he does at high speed with that puck uh, is un unbelievable. All right. Tampa has a here's a loaded question. Does Rick know how eBay was able to prove PWCC was shilling or what finally made eBay give them the boot off the platform for it? Um, I don't have any specific data in terms of what it was precisely. And they never said it was, they said it was associates of, they never said it was PWCC themselves. If you read the the actual uh, uh, email that they sent out to everybody. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Luigi, okay. graded tickets, are they underrated or are they overrated right now? I mean, obviously it's a, it's a hot vertical. Um, I, I agree a lot with Darren Ravel in terms of the historical significance of a lot of these pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, to me, 
any anything that reflects history um i i i love and and, and it has value to me and and tickets are you know one of those verticals my concern about tickets is let's say um i'll make up uh you know let's say let's say a concert ticket right um let's take john kruger you know who john kruger is john kruger yeah the singer mellencamp yeah sure so he was he was like john kruger and then he was john kruger mellencamp and i think he went back to john kruger right, right. so let's say you have the first ticket of his concert where he became john kruger for the first time or the first ticket where he became um, john kruger mellencamp right and this is at a venue that's let's say a small arena, the Hartford Arena, right? So my concern about the vertical in general is like, how are they going to actually grade these tickets? Uh, who's going to be the expert that's going to be able to handle all these things? Yes, the experts know, you know, what a, a Mickey Mantle World Series home run ticket looks like. They know what the cardboard is. We have examples, but how does the industry? How does it extend out to all these? other tickets and know what's going to be legitimate and not, you know, European soccer tickets and, you know, women's volleyball Olympic tickets. I mean, you can go on and on and on. Um, that's my concern for the, for the vertical is how does it fully expand itself and how do we have enough pool of experts that are going to be able to know that this was the real deal and not something, because you're talking about paper and cardboard, you know? So it's it, it's a concern. That's my concern on the vertical. But as an investment piece, and and I, I I'm all for the the increase that we've had. These are special items, you know. Like if you were there the night that uh, Jordan returns to Madison Square Garden and drops 55 points, you know, holding that ticket is a special thing. I I agree with you. It, it, they are unique. They are cool, and 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 they were at the event, which I think is is a uh, adds a little element of of coolness factor to it. Uh, Corey Carr is very impressed with uh, you owning 10, uh, sorry, 16 Jordan PSA 10s. Bob's big boy says, how can consignment platforms block card owners from shilling their own cards in a th in third party auctions? And I think we've addressed that. And I, I, I don't know how you would go about it. Do you have any, is there any way to do that, Rick? Well, one of the conversations I'm having with eBay, now that we have this new software that we're building is they are going to have access and listen, do you think eBay wants to have any accusations legally as a multi-billion dollar company that they're involved in shill bidding on any level? No, they don't. You know, so one of the things that we've talked about with them is on our new platform, they're going to be able to identify exactly who the consigners are on everything that's posted. And they're going to have access to their IP addresses because they're going to have their bidder IDs as well. And, you know, if people are involved in nonsense, it can be stopped in three seconds. So, you know. Okay. Yeah. So there might be some hope there. Okay. Well, we'll see how, well, let's let that roll out, actually see how it works. And hopefully we see some improvement. That would be amazing. Amazing. Uh, Tampa says, I may be wrong, but didn't Rick give us eight days to buy additional cards and combine shipping on everything? Why was it lowered to four days now? This one really hit me. It's five days now. Why reduce from eight to five? Um, this was part of one of eBay's solutions to clean up um, people not paying. Um, they felt that if we reduce the time frame, that, you know, basically a week is long enough. And um, it's five business days. 
and and that you know it's a long enough time frame for combined shipping and that you know we agreed to it and we we you know made the reduction with them okay it used to be something like i mean back in the day we were like 21 days and it was and it was ridiculous you know it was just too long Okay, let's talk about some other people now because uh, David Kahana says, why should Gary Moser be trusted back in the industry uh, and Evan Mathis? And, and then I want to and then I want to ask you um, about uh, Bill Mastro. But let's start with these two, if you know them. Um, I do know Evan because Evan goes to shows. Um, I've never met or spoken to Gary Moser ever. So, okay. Um, Bill Mastro, I, I, I received a question uh, to, to ask you. The question was, do you think it was a bad, in hindsight, and I'm just going to ask it as it was as it was posed to me, in hindsight, do you think it was a bad idea to have him on your Instagram live considering his hobby history? No, not at all. Okay. I mean, I think, I mean, I'll get right to it. A lot of people are like, basically, he's a criminal. He did bad things, da, 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 you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, I'm a believer in our legal system. The man was given, you know, a decree by our courts and basically he went to jail. He paid his price to society. He paid his debt to society. And I don't think that we should treat these people differently. You know, um, I think that the level of temptation that he had is something that is understandable. I'm not justifying it on a level. You know, I don't see people's max bids on eBay. I don't have any access to that. On his technology platform, he got to see people's max bids. And it was a temptation that his company wasn't just him. Um, he was not the only one that was involved. Um, and he's not the only one who went to jail. That they they failed their test with that. You know, um, they saw data that they used to their advantage. You know, they basically jacked people up because they saw that they were bidding crazy numbers. And it was wrong. And he would admit that it's wrong. Um, but, you know, I believe ultimately that we are judged ourselves how we judge other people. And I like to try and judge people favorably. And just because somebody made mistakes doesn't mean that they still don't have positive attributes. And, um, you know, he loves his family. He's a good man. And he admits that he made mistakes. And the biggest loser out of this whole industry growth is him. There isn't a day that goes by, you know, before there was PWCC, before Heritage took off, before Golden, before myself, who are all doing crazy and insane numbers. The whole industry was him. You know, he'd be doing a billion dollars a year in sales right now. Okay. You don't think that the guy feels bad about what he did? Does he feel bad selfishly for his own game that he's missing out on? Or does he feel bad for the good betterment of the hobby, though? No, I've spoken to him and he said in the interview that... What he felt bad about was the fact that, and he never thought and considered it, that he was actually damaging the people that were paying more money. He just didn't think about it clearly. You know, he was so focused on getting the most money for his consigners, right, that he didn't consider that. And and he's got deep regret. You know, okay. so I, I think that, you know, people pay their debts to society. They're remorseful. Um, I'd like to judge them favorably. Um, he's always been stand up with me and I think he's a, he's a nice person and I don't have any problems having a conversation with him. Last comment on this then. I've heard people say that uh, the reason why you shouldn't have had him on your Instagram live was because you're giving him a platform. Um, I mean, 
listen, I, I understand what you just said that he paid his his debt to society, but how do you respond to that? Do you do you have any additional response to a comment like that? What's he really gaining by being on the platform? I mean, like like he wasn't getting paid, you know. He he only got attacked by a whole bunch of people. Yeah. I th I think he deserves a lot for coming on, and he wanted to come on with the intent that he wanted to clear the air. He wanted people to know, like, listen, I did a bad thing, but that doesn't mean, you know, I'm a bad person. And you can separate the actions that people do. And we all make mistakes. You know, I have five kids. I'm not perfect every time I talk to my kids, you know. So it doesn't mean I'm a bad person because I make a mistake in terms of maybe I'm too harsh to my kid one time. You know, you can make a mistake. Um, you know, and he made mistakes that are obviously real mistakes because he went to jail for them. Um, but he wanted to come on in our conversations because he wanted to let people know that he was remorseful. And I, I think that that's a positive thing. Okay. No, that's some insight right there that if he wanted to let people know he was remorseful, that he was remorseful, I can respect that action uh, while not respecting why he's remorseful. So fair enough. Okay. Um, Hits and Chick says, Rick, how do you deal with people being in today's terms haters and constantly focusing on the bad rather than the good? Goes on to say they're obviously jealous. Listen, I'm, I'm speaking not just for myself, but anybody who's successful in anything that they do. Um, we all sleep at night, okay? And and does it bother me that somebody's like, oh, I'm running a show bidding ring? You know, if somebody followed me for a full day, my day starts at 3.30 in the morning. I have five kids. I'm involved in probably two hours of Jewish stuff a day between, you know, uh, studying with a study partner and, and going to synagogue three times a day. Um, I'm not involved in show bidding, let alone watching our auctions. We're running 800,000 auctions a year, you know? So uh, I understand the haters, but I think in most part, they just are exercising keyboard muscle and they're not fully educated in terms of what's going on. So inevitably I'm like other people that are successful in other areas we just don't focus on it, you know, yeah. because because we know that in most cases it's just pure nonsense. But there are Fair. times people will come up with something that's legitimate. You know, if, if somebody says, you know, why didn't you tell us that there was a, you know, a corner ding on this card? You know, that's a legitimate complaint and something where somebody's right and we'll, we'll strive better to do a better job. Or why didn't you give it three levels of bubble wrap versus two? And my item got damaged. You know, it doesn't happen very often, but those are legitimate complaints. I don't consider those to be haters. The haters are people that are just like, just ridiculous. People chiming in like, you know, Shilstein or just like, just pure nonsense, you know. <laughs> right, Shilstein. I think I've heard that one myself out there. Okay. Um, Tampa wants to know, how much did you get for your SGC 10 OPG Gretzky? So I, I bought it off a mile high. I bought it over 10 years ago. I paid at the time like $68,000 or something crazy like that. And this was back when I did not have a lot of money. Um, uh, and I probably sold it for like $75,000, which is, which is, yeah, I flipped it. Um, whatever. I, I, um, that's not a transaction that I'm proud of. It was a beautiful card, by the way. I mean, it's, um, a lot of SGC tens. So, um, it was it was absolutely beautiful, you know. I'm yeah. I, I'd love to love that. Get a, a look at that for sure. Uh, Steve Foley, we addressed this question earlier. He is uh, not looking to open up his own marketplace. 
Hits and Chicks says Rick for president. Uh, Who is Hits and Chicks? Hey, who is that person? I don't know. <laughs> but they make funny comments throughout the episodes. Uh, Giamato says he was never John Kruger. That's what I heard you saying when I said Mellencamp. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, DR says, how many actual current card graders in the world are there? Like, that's a, that's an interesting question. I don't know if he means companies or actual individuals. This is important. This is actually an important little thread. Like, the number one grader at PSA right now used to be the number six grader. Where are the other five? Who, what's his name? Reza. Reza, that's what I thought. That's who I thought yeah. you were referring to. Yeah. So what do you mean, where are the other five? Are they starting up their own companies? Are they that sort no, of they're all, they're all the, the, the challenge of these card companies is that, and, and, and it's our industry, that if a guy is really skilled, you know, in, in cards and knowledgeable in cards, you know, he can go to a, a show and look at somebody's raw 1972 set. And within 15 minutes, he's got a chance to tell you how many PSA 10s are in that set you know, and which are the lower pop cards and da, 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 da. And that's his skill set. Um, he can make more money on the floor um, and on the street than he can as a grader. Um, and it's a challenge that the, the grading companies have in that, you know, they lose a lot of the top guys because they go back and become dealers. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's part of the reason why we had such a, you know, a slowdown when, when COVID hit and the cards increased because they didn't have enough talent to to grade the cards. You know, it's it's a very difficult skill set. It is. I mean, yeah, they. I feel the same way. I, I think they can make a lot more money just uh, identifying grade worth, uh, you know, high grade worthy cards or grade worthy cards, and just do it themselves versus uh, the hourly wage. I think that's part of the reason why we see backlogs, not enough graders, but it looks like uh, PSA at least, uh, you know hiring as many as they can, and then it takes time to get them actually ramped up. Um, let's uh, let's take a break from all this stuff, and uh, we are going to come back to the comments, guys, and I got to I gotta just let the chat know. First of all, thanks, everybody, for joining, but I am going to fall behind in the comments and likely won't get to everything, but I have starred a whole bunch of them, so we will come back to them. But I do want to talk a little bit, Rick, about Autograph Fest because you are moving into the show business and you are promoting Autograph Fest you got a lot of great autograph guests coming May 13th to 15th in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Why are you Why are you sort of, I don't want to say pivoting because you're not leaving what you were doing, but why are you adding a card show or, or autograph show to your, to your resume? And what do you want the audience to know about Autograph Fest? Sure. Thank you. Um, so this is a, a business that's very easy for us to get into because um, we're handling... You know, when a guy does an autograph deal with Shaquille O'Neal and has 100 signed jerseys, there's two or three venues that he's using to sell this inventory, and we're one of them. You know, So we already have relationships with all the guys that are handling the athletes. We're basically one phone call away from getting whoever we want. Um, so the other area is that I'm friendly with the owner of American Dream. Um, American Dream, as a facility... Um, is probably the number one mall in America. Um, you can go skiing there. You can go to a water park. Uh, you can go to a roller um, roller coaster park. It's absolutely fantastic. It's beautiful. Um, we live five minutes away. My family has been there 30, 40, 50 times. We've never gotten bored. There's always something new there. 
There's an aquarium, there's an ice rink, there's restaurants, there's bars, there's shopping. Um, it's a fantastic facility. Um, I don't want to say anything negative about the National, but I've set up at the National for many, many years. And day one of the National, um, there's no air conditioning and you can't even get a hot dog, you know. Um, and it's sort of like what Las Vegas um, just showed us recently is that, you know, as a, as a platform for shows, we deserve better. You know, like we can have our shows in, in high end places. Um, so I really have two goals for this show. One is I want it to be the best show for kids that exists. Um, I started as a kid and I have crazy stuff planned to make it the best show for kids ever. Um, and then secondly is for significant others. I want it to be a great show for them. Um, talking about bringing your 11 year old daughter who doesn't care about collecting maybe, um, or your wife. Um, how can they come to a three day show and have a great time as well? And, and this is a venue where that, where that can really happen. Um, so, you know, for me, I'm not focused that much on the show in terms of it is a money-making venture. Um, I just want to be able to like, you know, put on a great show for the people. And, um, you know, we're charging a hundred dollars initially as an early bird for tables. It's now $200. We've already put in a million dollars into autograph guests and we have a lot of big names. Um, Mike Tyson, Alan Iverson, Goldberg, the wrestler, Mariana Rivera, Lawrence Taylor, you know, on and on and on. There's a, you know, and, and about half the names haven't been loaded onto the site yet because we're finalizing contracts with them. But when it's all said and done, we're going to have about 30 to 35 guys and girls. And we're having Carly Lloyd, the, the soccer player. Um, you know, she's a huge straw and, and on and on and on. But uh the kids is the focus point for me of the show because I think that's the future of the industry. Um, I got started basically as a kid in the industry. Um, I have a 21 year old son and a 12 year old son who are both very into it. And I think that these things are important. Um, we are going to have a stage at the convention center. Um, we're going to have 30 hours of content at the convention center and a large majority of the stage time will be geared towards um kids and young adults. Um, we're going to have things such as case breaks for kids only. We're going to be having trivia and giveaways and all sorts of um, different content programs for kids. Uh, we're going to have case breaks just for kids. Um, the new thing that we're implementing right now is I'm going to have live auctions, um, but only kids are going to be allowed to participate. Um, and it'll be things that are economical so they can have the fun and experience of being involved in a live auction. Um, and it can be things that are affordable to them um, on and on. So, you know, my goal at the end of the three days is any, anybody who's, you know, younger than 18 who goes to this event, they will say that is the best show I've ever been to. Cool. Well, I wish you all the best with it. Is this going to be an annual thing? Um, we're planning on doing them more than annually. Um, I think probably quarterly to start um, and if things go well, um, then we will ramp it up and ramp up the size. Okay. It's a very big facility. So we could, in theory, you know, I could do 2000 tables there if I wanted to. How big, how big is this first one going to be relative to the, uh, to the national as an example? So we're going to have 400 dealer tables. Um, I don't know the total number of people that sign at the national because I'm, um, 
not really seeing that part of it. Um, but all the names that we're having are the types of guys that you would have at the national and we're going to have 30 or 35 of them. So it's going to be national like, um, in that regard, there'll be enough big name celebrities there from Mike Tyson to Goldberg to Rick Flair to Jets players, Giants players. Um, we're working on finalizing with Obi Toppin on the Knicks and getting some current players in there. Um, Soup Nazi's coming, who is probably out of everybody who's coming, is probably the person I'm most excited to meet because um, I'm a Seinfeld guy. Um, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be a fantastic experience, and it's and it's in a facility that's just beautiful, um, and and you can bring the whole entire family. Yeah, that's great, man. Well, good, really, sincerely, good luck with it, and I hope to make it out there for one of the uh, future show. Um, Okay, let's go back to some comments from the chat, unless there's anything else you want to say about Autograph Fest. No, we're good. Okay, so let's keep going. I know you told me you want to go for about an hour. We're, we're at that mark, but you're having so much fun. Let's keep on going and milk you for a little bit more time. I, I got a little bit more time. Go ahead. All right. Uh, I finished my beer. We can maybe stop. I'll get another beer, but but my hey, wife will get upset with me. If so. you want to go grab one, we'll wait. We'll wait for you. <laughs> Uh, let's go. Let's go here with uh, Troy's question. He says, "Rick, since you're in great communication with eBay, any chance you could ask them to bring back seller's option to place negative feedback?" So we have this discussion all the time. Um, I don't think that that's the solution to things, and eBay doesn't either. Um, I think that um, they need to publish bad, punish, um, not publish, punish um, bad bitter behavior which is primarily um, not paying for items or trying to return items that, that should not be returned. Um, and I think that those things are in place and, and increasing in terms of you know what eBay wants. And basically the decision is made that I don't think that's coming back. Um, but I do think at some point you'll see an, um, a de-emphasis on the, on the negative feedback and that you might not see everything being detailed like it is now you might just see a general percentage without seeing some of the specific comments. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens at one at one point. Okay. Skeppy says, do you believe eBay, eBay is really the future for healthy sports cards growth? If yes, please explain why. If no, explain your vision for the ideal selling platform. So in business in general, you want to be first to market, best to market. Um, so I think it's clear that we can define eBay in our industry as first to market. Um, and in many regards, eBay is still best to market. Um, now, technically, um, they're behind on a few things. They actually introduced live video this week for the first time. Um, were you aware of that? No. Yeah. So we actually have a couple auctions up now where there's live video attached to our auctions. Um, it's a brand new feature that was implemented this week. And there's more features coming. So... Um, the leadership at eBay, I have full confidence in, and we have discussed, you know, another three or four ideas that will put them far ahead of everybody else technically. And I have full confidence in eBay. Okay. Well, they, I mean, as you better, because they're your partner at this point, right? You, uh, you kind of, is it, is it fair to say that without them, you cease to exist? What happens if, what happens if they move you off? I mean, I, I don't exist on planet Earth anymore. No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> what did you mean? I mean that you stop selling cards. 
No, I would continue to sell cards, but I mean, I consider eBay to be um, a business partner of mine, a strategic business partner of mine. And um, I'm, I'm proud of that. And I'm, I'm proud of the platform in general. Um, I think it's a great platform. And I like the fact that we've seen major, major steps and it, it, it takes longer. You have to understand for a billion dollar company to make changes than a smaller company, you know, so, you know, there's no longer bid retractions, you know, there's no longer returns on nonsensical items, um, which, which definitely, you know, just because a quarterback stinks it up, you know, you buy Johnny Manziel and then he stinks it up. You can't return his cards anymore. Um, so they're making constant improvements. They just added video. Um, and there's more things that are coming that I can't, you know, reveal yet, but there are things that are coming. They're, they're constantly improving the platform and they care greatly about um, the integrity of the platform. And I have full confidence that in a very short time, everybody will consider eBay to be the top platform for everything. Well, that's a really strong statement at the end there. It must mean that you do have some information that you can't share, but that is uh, very encouraging to you as, a, as you know, you rely on them as for the platform. And uh, I mean, if you're right, if what you said comes true, that's great news for the hobby. If they're going to, you know, be able to be better than they are right now, let's say so. Okay. Uh, Bazooka Tom says had a great experience with a high dollar card with probe scene. The case arrived slightly chipped and he responded personally and let me return it with no questions. Very nice experience for you. Uh, TP awesome show. Thank you very much. TP wants to know, Rick, are you coming to the Toronto expo? It's in a foreign country. It is. We're not that far away. <laughs> um, my my traveling days are are unless I'm taking my wife, um, are probably not what they used to be. Um, I would I would love to come in theory. Maybe we'll send a staff person, uh, um, but uh, I'm probably not going to go. Thank you for the response. Luigi says, uh, this is a really great interview. Hobby content on this channel is as good as it gets. Hey, I got to throw up a, a little plug for the channel. Thank you, Luigi. Really appreciate that. Uh, here, here's a tough one for you, Rick. Says, Mike Mike Vick went to Heidi, but I'm not allowing him to walk my dog. I do not agree with your take on Mastro, and I would never let this guy near my business. He, he's a hypocrite. How do you respond to, uh, to Eric on this one? Um... I'm sure this guy will be very not surprised to know that we have Mike Vick coming to Autograph Fest. <laughs> there you go, Eric. There you we're go. All right, let's go we're, to totally, here. we're totally consistent. And I look forward to meeting yeah. Mike Vick. Okay. Uh, Jay says, as someone with many years of experience in this business, how do you feel about these fringe sports, F1, maybe golf next, uh, non-sports cards, music, uh, getting more and more popular? So I've recently put a ton of money into music cards, um, Instagram influencers. Um, you know, I spent uh, a large majority of my childhood, you know, in that vertical. You know, that was my thing, just as much as it was sports. And I think that these are huge names and huge brands. You know, I purchased one of the rock cards, you know, Dwayne Johnson rookie cards for 50000 or whatever it is. Um, he's an influencer. I think it has huge upside. Um, the F1 thing I'm not fully getting right now. Um, but that's just, you know, I did not grow up watching uh, race car driving or F1. Um, but some of those cards are going crazy. We've sold cards for as much as $50,000. But they are making nice cards. They're serial numbered. 
they're putting refractors in. Um, so all the boxes are there, you know, as a, as a vertical. Um, golf cards still have yet to really take off. Um, Bobby Jones is sort of like your Babe Ruth. His prices are very affordable. I would say that Jack Nicholas is more like your Mickey Mantle. His stuff is still affordable. Um, and then Tiger Woods is like your LeBron or Michael Jordan. And, you know, his prices can be crazy. You know, for, for Tiger prices to go to the next level, then he's got to win again. So it was nice seeing him back, but the dude's got to put on the red shirt and win again. Otherwise, the prices are going to go down. You don't think they would just stay where they are because he is goaded? Um, if they're going to see you out there, you got to win, you know. And just look at, look at, look at LeBron's prices just in the last two weeks, you know? Yeah, no, you make a good point. If they're going to see you out there, you got to win. That's, that's well said right there. Okay. Let's keep going. Good day to you, Brett S. Uh, Triple V sports cards live is the best interview format show in the hobby. In my opinion, it's not even close. Another plug. Thank you. Triple V. Uh, Philly Joe, this question is in relation to the, to uh, autograph fest. Is there going to be auto authentication on hand and will it be at an additional cost? We're finalizing with one of them right now. Um, And if they don't finalize with us in three days, we're going with the other one. So one of the two will be there. And I'm not going to tell you who we're finalizing with, but um, one of them will be there. Okay, good to know. Sports cards nonsense in the house. What up, fellas? Welcome to the show. Uh, Investicard Eddie says, do you think we are in the junk slab era and with so many more low-end slabs, not even to hit the market yet, what's the solution to building the low-end market back up? This is a great question. What, what do you want to ask me about it directly? I mean, it's like, I don't know. Not, not, not something that I have a lot of like significant thoughts on. I mean, I think, and you know what, really, it's one of those, it is what it is sort of situations, right? We know the PSA was at 12 million backlog. Last I heard, they were down to five. We have all these cards about to hit the market. I think the yeah. question is, you know, how do we as a hobby, and listen, you're, you're, you're a collector, but you're also a big seller. I think the question is, how do we as the hobby, uh, or do, like, is there anything we can do to sustain the tsunami of slabs that are coming or just be diligent and, and, and really be smart in your purchases. Anything you would add to, to those comments? I I think that some of the grading companies that have come out um, are not doing a very good job. You know, a couple of them that, that came out um, there. I've seen them grade fake cards. I've seen them, you know, really off with the grading. And I think, I think you just stay with the best, you know, you have five or six different grading companies that are legitimate, and I would stick to those. And some of the ones that are below that, I would just stay away from. Okay. And we'll leave it at that then. Uh, Tom Bullard said, if I have one wish for the hobby, it'd be to stop putting profit and money over morals and ethics. I know it's a lot to ask, but it's going to be worth it in the end. I promise. That's a fair approach. Okay. David French says, bought many times from Probe. Seen one suggestion. Your stiff cardboard mailers create a great deal of torque on a slab. I would rather see something a little softer, less cracked slabs. I'll let you just take that one away with you. And, uh, okay, well, I'm back to Mastro for a second. Uh, Sports cards nonsense. Any actual answer to why you want to welcome Bill Mastro back to the hobby? 
goes on to say it was asked but not answered. I don't think we were welcoming him back to the hobby. I don't think that he's got any sort of, you know, um, role in the industry. He's not working for an auction house. He's not working for me. You know, he's doing his own thing. He just wanted a chance when I spoke to him. You know, I was just getting on Instagram. I said, you know, it's a great platform for you to communicate with the masses. And I, he, you know, said to me, listen, I'm remorseful. I would love to be able to tell people that I made mistakes and that, you know, I wouldn't do them again. And I'm not a bad person. I did bad things. And there's a difference between people's actions and the person themselves. And I think that that has to be a life lesson for everything that we do. You know, and let me just like, you know, this is episode 136, I think of, of yeah, 136 of this particular show. And I, I've done do a couple others and, you know, every guest that I, that I have on is not going to be popular with every person watching. And uh, I guess my response is, you know, now there are some people that I likely wouldn't have on the show, but it's not about um, giving them, it's about, it's about giving them uh, a, letting the audience see what these people are and, and kind of judge for themselves instead of just going, oh, instead of just relying on all the um, news that you hear or see, I'm not, I'm not insinuating that anything is false, just that, you know, as people that, that bring people on your show, uh, it's tough to, uh, you're never going to please everybody. So um, I hear what you're saying, Rick, that, you know, he doesn't work for you and you, you weren't welcoming him back into the hobby. You were just having somebody that you, that you knew on, on an Instagram live to have a discussion. And uh, at the end of the day, no, I was, in, I was ena enabling him to express remorse, but you also, what you also did was you enabled thousands of people to see what this guy looks like, hear him talk, judge for themselves and maybe know that if they you know this is what he looks like now versus when he was in the news in the past and maybe now you might avoid this guy because you know you know you've seen him better you, you have a better idea what he looks like who he is what he sounds like i don't know that sort of thing but uh one thing i'll just say is that, you know there are a lot of people that watch that that really wanted to hear from him and just see for themselves and there's a lot of people that felt that that was a bad decision and and you know i'm uh I'm not going to take a position on, on you having him on, but I'm happy to have you on to address the comments and questions from uh, the audience here. So yeah, I, sure. I, hope, I hope that's clear. I kind of just wanted to get that uh, off my chest. Or Abdiel says, this might be the greatest sports cards live episode ever. Uh, uh, Mike or uh, Jesse, you are welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Albert Jones. Appreciate that. Okay. I think we are going to, uh, there are still comments coming in, Rick. We're at an hour 15. You got another 10 minutes or so? Let's do 10 more minutes. Okay. We'll do 10 more minutes. Uh, and I thank you for, for sticking around. Yeah, by the way, I, 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 um, I've done lives with many, many people. This is this, your format, technically speaking, is actually the best in terms of having, you know, I, I normally, I, and, and when I'm doing Instagram live, I'm, I'm trying to look at the same time and read, read the threads. Here, I'm able to see who's talking, you know, who's making a comment, what the comment is very clearly. I can still see you. Um, you have the ticker running underneath. So technically, the 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 information architecture of your your video layout is 10x on everybody else. So it's it's an enjoyable format. Thanks. Well, I appreciate that, Rick. That's that's great to hear. Thank thank you so much. Okay, let's keep on going here. Skeppy says, I think what Rick 
saying is the market is full of corruption. If someone takes a hit on their name and serves time, then displays remorse, they need a chance to redeem themselves. Okay. Fair, uh, nice comment. Anything to say to that, Rick? Um, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, Joe Pro on, on a less elevated note, what kind of beer are you drinking? Uh, tonight I was drinking a little bass. I like Guinness, Nuki Brown, and Bass. Those are my three. All right, I'm a new. But I'm a single. Guy. I'm a single malt guy. Did you see my um my McAllen video? No. It got um, Buster Share was in my office recently, and um, it got 1.7 million views on TikTok. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, Richard wants to know your opinion on the best deli in New York City. Uh, Mr. Broadway, Midtown. Okay, that was a that was a quick answer. Didn't even need to think about it. Thank <laughs> you for that, Skeppy. Greatly appreciate it and your engagement all the time. Tom Bullard says, I enjoy open conversation and disagreements and don't take it personally. Not afraid to answer a question or state it's an opinion. I'm here regularly and call it very fairly. Thanks for being here, Tom. Uh, Steve Foley says, we have a solution for the junk slab era. Trade them using TradeSafe. There you go. Company that I am a partner in. Rick, have you heard of, uh, of TradeSafe yet? No, I have not. Oh, we'll, we'll make sure you hear of it. We'll make sure. Middle, <laughs> middleman service for people who are doing transactions on social media uh, platforms. So, um, you know, just send us the cards in the middle. We'll wait till get them both verified and ship them back out. TradeSafeHub.com. Okay, that's, that's a solid idea. Thank you. I can see there being a need for that. Yeah, good. And um, so I appreciate that. Okay, hey, and we're at the bottom of the comments now. So anything you want to listen? We're gonna we're gonna wrap this up, Rick. Uh, you've been you've been uh, gracious to stick around for much longer than you anticipated. So I thank you for that. I want to thank uh, I want to thank whatnot. I want to thank Center Stage App. Um, obviously, um, TradeSafe. Check out TradeSafeHub.com, everybody. Uh, and then, of course, Autograph Fest, Rick's show, is coming up May 13th to 15th in East Rutherford, New Jersey. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it to you. We're gonna, I'm going to turn off the comment. I'm just going to stop looking at the comments, guys, because it's distracting, and we're going to wrap this up. But, Rick, final, uh, any, anything you want to leave the audience with? Any final comments? No, I listen, we, we talked about some of the controversial topics, you know, I'm a real person. You can get a hold of me and have any discussion. You know, I'm available. If you ever see something that you feel is problematic, um, you can get it to me. Um, my email, my direct email is rickprobscene1 at gmail.com. That's the best way to get me. And if there's a piece of drama or something we need to improve upon, you know, we will we will do it. You know, um, I'm a nice guy with five kids. I run a large business. You know, I'm not a target, um, you know, because we're successful. Um, I care greatly about the industry. I've been in the industry my entire life. And, you know, when I'm doing this show, when I mean it's going to be the best show for kids ever, um, it's going to be the best show for kids ever. So, um, you know, I appreciate everybody. I appreciate open and honest conversations about topics that are important to people. They're important topics. And um, I'm available and accessible to talk about these things anytime. All right. Well, I appreciate that very much it's great to have you and thanks for putting that out there for uh for the hobby appreciate that um okay well we're, we're gonna we're, that's it this show is this show is now over everybody thank you for tuning in again 
Thanks, Rick, for your time. We had great viewership. You're, you're a popular guest. We'll maybe get you back again in the future. Good luck with Autograph Fest, but you hang tight right there for one sec, Rick. Everybody else, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we will, uh, as I mentioned earlier, maybe not do a show next week because I will be at the Expo in Edmonton. So we'll see. But if not, we are definitely back the week after. Abdil just says, my respect for Mr. Brodstein for taking the interview. Jeremy, thank you very much, Abdil. And uh, Cutler, appreciate the, the comment as well. This episode is officially over.